Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. This episode is entitled The Redesigned Inspection Reports, New Insights for Investors About Audits. Our special guest today is Jay Brown, a board member of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. Welcome, Mr. Brown. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Always happy to have an opportunity to talk about the PCOB and particularly the investor protection mission of the PCAOB. So many of our listeners may not be familiar with the work of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. Can you provide us with some background about the PCOB and your activities? Yeah, sure. So we were created in the era of Enron and WorldCom. You know, I think given this current pandemic environment, that seems like such a long time ago, doesn't it? Um, We were some of the most important provisions, if not the most important provisions that were included in Sarbanes-Oxley. And what we were assigned to do was to oversee audit firms that audit public companies. Now, let me just stop here for a minute and fast forward to 2010. In 2010, in Dodd-Frank, Congress also told us to oversee audit firms that audit registered broker dealers. So we do both. Now, what does this mean exactly? Well, we do this by inspecting audit firms. We do it by writing audit standards. And we do it by bringing enforcement actions. Let me also just add that one place where I think the statute is remarkably clear is with respect to our mission. Our mission is to promote audit quality in the interest of investors and the public. In other words, we have a straight-up investor protection mission. So, Mr. Brown, you've spoken at CII conferences before and talked about your concerns over the level of transparency at the PCOB. Would you share a few thoughts on that topic? Yeah, thank you, Jeff, for, for bringing this up. This is, I think, a really important topic. So when Congress created us, Congress wanted to create an independent regulator, and we are an independent regulator. But Congress decided not to to make us a government agency. We're actually a nonprofit corporation. That's similar to the structure that, that FINRA has, for example. Structure has consequences. Because we're not a government agency, we're not subject to a suite of laws that are applicable to government agencies that I think are designed to encourage disclosure, encourage transparency, and really, frankly, facilitate accountability to the public. So what are these laws? We're not subject to the Freedom of Information Act. We're not subject to the Sunshine Act. The Sunshine Act is the law that regulates public meetings. We're not subject to the Administrative Procedure Act, although we follow some of the provisions on a voluntary basis. So because we're not subject to these laws, there are matters routinely disclosed by government agencies that we don't disclose. So let me give you an example. For example, we don't routinely disclose meetings that we hold with outside organizations. Now, let's be clear about this. We're not required to follow these laws, but we're not prohibited from following them either. And you know, Jeff, I I really have to say that we could sure use more feedback and input from your members on whether and how the PCOB should be more transparent and accountable. And I am happy to engage with anyone on this issue at any time. Anyway, this situation means that what we do disclose is even more important, both in terms of what it tells investors and and how it helps with accountability. And in this regard, inspection reports the main topic, I think, of our our conversation today, really are the most regular and consistent form of communication 
by the PCOB with investors and the public. So, Mr. Brown, before we talk more about the inspection reports, let's provide uh, some context. Can you talk a bit about the PCOB inspection process? Can you give us a bit of insight into the PCOB's approach with respect to inspections? Yeah, happy to. Uh, so, as you know, public companies and registered broker-dealers have to have their financial statements audited. So our inspection program really looks over the shoulder of the auditor. We look at the audit firm's work and whether it follows PCOB standards and rules. And you know, when we do this, we try to focus on the most important areas of the audit. I would say that inspections, really, they're a time-intensive process that includes review of work papers and other documentation and typically involves interaction with the engagement teams at the relevant firms. I've been on a number of inspections. They are intense and professional and can last anywhere from a few days to a few weeks. Well, that sounds like a very involved process. How, about how many inspections does the PCOB do a year? Our statute says that if an audit firm audits 100 or more public companies every year, we have to inspect them annually. So of course, everybody knows the big four do this, the big six do this, but actually there are 12 audit firms that audit more than 100 public companies every year. So we, we inspect these 12 firms every, every year. For all of the other firms, those that do not audit 100 public companies each year, we are required to inspect them at least every three years. We can, of course, do it more often if we want, but, but at a minimum, they have to be inspected every three years. So each year, we inspect around 160 firms that audit public companies. We inspect another 60 or so firms that audit broker-dealers. And of these inspections, about 30 of them are overseas audit firms. I want to ask you a few follow-up questions, but first, can you give me some idea of how the inspection process is going in connection with the COVID-19 environment? Sure. This is, of course, as everybody can imagine, an unusual time, and we've taken a lot of uh, we've taken a number of steps um, in this in this particular environment. I think most significantly, for purposes of this talk, we allowed audit firms to take a pause on our inspections for up to 45 days. The pause was really meant to allow audit firms to concentrate on their own issues that are arising from the pandemic. You know, interestingly, some took the pause. Some didn't, and some did it only partially. The pause, by the way, ended on May 11th. We are continuing to conduct inspections, and as you can imagine, we're doing this remotely. So now let's turn to the inspection reports. Before we get to a uh, discussion, before, so now let's turn to inspection reports. Before we get to a discussion of the new format, can you tell me about those reports more generally? So once we finish an inspection of a firm, we write a report. The report includes a public and non-public portion. Let me just take a couple of minutes and talk about the non-public portion. So the non-public portion includes, among other things, criticisms or potential defects that we've identified in the firm's system of quality control. Now, this is non-public, not by choice. Our statute says that criticisms of the firm's system of, of quality control cannot be made public unless the firm fails to remediate the concerns within 12 months after the issuance of the report. So only if the firm doesn't remedy these criticisms is public disclosure made. And I would say from my experience, most firms do remediate. So generally this information is, is never made public. 
Now, with respect to the public portion of the report, so we post these on our website. You should go and take a look at them. What do we include in the public portion? A decision was made in the early days of the PCOB to only disclose certain serious violations in our standards. Specifically, the public portion discloses deficiencies that were of such significance that the firm could not support its opinion on the issuer's financial statements or internal control over financial reporting. So let me just say it simply, they shouldn't have issued the report. Let me give you an example. So admittedly an extreme example, but maybe this will sort of help conceptually to understand what we include in the report. Let's say the firm was conducting an audit, but didn't do any procedures to test revenue. Maybe they just accepted what management told them. How can you as a firm provide reasonable assurance that the financial statements are free from material misstatements if you haven't tested revenue. So if during an inspection, we found that a firm hadn't tested revenue, and by the way, we look at revenue often when we conduct inspections, it would be likely to appear as a deficiency in the public portion of our inspection report. Now, when we do identify a deficiency in the audit, that doesn't mean the financial statements are actually wrong. A deficiency in our view only means that the audit firm hasn't done enough work to support its opinion. So while we're conducting these inspections, sometimes we find a deficiency that doesn't meet this high threshold. In those circumstances, we generally don't disclose, or at least we haven't historically disclosed the deficiency in the public portion of the report. The information is left on the cutting room floor, so to speak, and as a result of that, investors and the public don't really get a full picture of what our staff found during an inspection. Let me also add that there have been other content decisions made about public inspection reports. Let me identify a couple of them. We don't, for example, provide the name of the public company where the deficiency occurred. In effect, investors are left in the dark about where the deficiencies took place. Another decision was to not describe anything whatsoever about a firm's system of quality control. I think this was done out of an abundance of caution because of the limits in the statute on what we can say in this space. But the result of this is that public inspection reports avoid any mention of the systems of quality control. So what has changed with the new inspection reports and why did you make those changes? You know, as you know, it's not easy to stand up a new regulator, and the PCOB is a new regulator. It's not easy to start an inspection report when there, uh, it's not easy to start an inspection program when there hadn't been one already in existence, and the PCOB did this. And it's not easy to really determine always what should be an inspection report, but this was done. With time and changed circumstances, some of these early decisions. I think in particular, the content of inspection reports bear re-examination. And I have to say from feedback that we get from investors, investors have not been happy with the content of these inspection reports. Simply put, they wanted more complete and accessible information that could be used in making voting and investment decisions. So in response to this, we issued inspection reports at the beginning of June for the six largest firms with a new disclosure format that addresses some of these investor concerns. So I took a look at some of these newly issued reports and they, they certainly seem to be easier to read. Is that what you're hearing from others as well? I think they are easier to read. 
but let me identify some of the reasons why. So I think we made three broad types of changes to the report. First, the new reports are written in plain English so that they are more understandable, and frankly, they have less jargon. As part of that, we're classifying the deficiencies. We divide them into three categories. First, those based on audits where there has been a material error so significant that a restatement occurred. Second, audits where there have been multiple deficiencies. And third, audits with a single deficiency. Second, we included new charts and graphs to make the information more accessible. The report includes inspection data for the three most recent years. Third, and in my opinion, most importantly, we've added a new section that reveals even greater information about the inspection findings and the deficiencies that we uncovered during an inspection. So tell me a little bit more about that new section that's been added. What, what new types of information are you now disclosing? So as I mentioned before, some of the information that an inspection team may have uncovered was metaphorically left on the cutting room floor and did not appear in the public portion of our inspection report. To capture some of that information, we've added a new section to the public report, Part 1B, Other Instances of Noncompliance with PCOB Standards or Rules. Let me start by saying that it may not be a catchy title. Catchy titles are not exactly a strength, I think, at the PCOB, but the contents of this new section are extremely important. New Part 1B reveals additional instances where the firm did not comply with our rules that are unrelated to the sufficiency of audit evidence. Let me give you some examples. The new Part 1B will include such items as the failure to make certain required communications to the audit committee, the failure to make required inquiries of the audit committee concerning fraud, the failure to lock down a complete and final set of documentation within the required timeframe, the failure to file an accurate or timely form AP. That's the form, by the way, that requires disclosure of the name of the engagement partner and other auditors participating in an audit. And that's how you would know, for example, that a firm used another auditor in a country such as China. And the failure to document discussions with audit committees about the potential effects of certain permissible tax services on the firm's independence. So the new Part 1B tells you more about deficiencies that we uncovered during the inspection and gives you additional insight into the quality of audits performed by firms. So Mr. Brown, if I'm an investor, tell me why I should be reading these new inspection reports. Yeah, you know, Jeff, I think these reports, I think they are a very important source of information for investors trying to assess audit quality, particularly in the context of making investment decisions. I think they're also useful uh, in, in making voting decisions with respect to auditor ratification. And I also think they have useful information that can come up in discussions with audit firms at annual meetings or other times when investors are interacting with these firms. So with this new approach to inspection reports, is the board done or should we expect some additional reforms? My view, my view is that this is a first step. There's certainly more that can be done to make these reports more useful to investors. And I would strongly encourage your members to look over these reports and send us their thoughts and comments. Feel free to communicate with the board or with me directly. I'm sure a call with me, the board, or relevant staff can be arranged. And when circumstances allow, come and meet with us. 
My email, by the way, is brownj at pcaobus.org. That concludes this podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I'd like to thank our special guest, Jay Brown, board member of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at cii.org. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.